innovative Often duplicated When enough people get on the trend I elevate it Make it way harder for them to follow What I take it Hard to swallow like a lozenger Lodged in your trachea Goodness gracious bruh I can never make this up So just take your stuff Rake it up and take the bus Never fake the funk You painted skunks You played enough I'm lifting bars to outer space So the weight is up Fight WHUPLP Hillsborough, North Carolina, the center of the known world. Thank you once again for joining us on your Sunday morning to listen to the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the fighting arts in the Carolinas and beyond. I am Jeff Shaw, and we are pre-recording the show Saturday night. So Trevor Hayes is not with me because he's out covering some fights. He's cornering two guys, two local fighters, and we'll talk about how they did during our news segment. But we do have a special surprise guest, one of uh, our favorite previous guests, as well as one of the area's most sought-after black belt instructors, uh, from Team Hoist Gracie Southern Pines, Mr. Roy Marsh. How are you doing today, Roy? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying sitting in Trevor's seat. It's very comfortable. Excellent. And you fill it well. Uh, we're coming to you live on 104.7 FM and streaming live on whoopfm.org. So whether you're here in Hillsboro, which is the birthplace of Team Rock, or whether you're listening to us on the internet uh, somewhere, we're glad you're here to listen to us talk about the untold stories of martial arts in North Carolina and beyond. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the, how the show is structured today. We're going to have a few segments uh, with Roy. First, uh, we have received a bunch of listener email with some questions from introductory martial arts students, and I thought, who better uh, to answer some of those questions than Hoist Gracie Black Belt, Roy Marsh. And so we'll have a segment where we answer some listener email. We're also going to have a segment with Roy previewing the Concussion Cast Carnival, our first ever live event, which is going to happen on May 1st. Now, most of you who have been listening to the show or who have been around realize we're going to have a bunch of jiu-jitsu super fights featuring some of the area's top talent. Roy and I are going to preview those fights for you, and so you can, you can understand what to expect. Now, before we get into the new segment, let me just preview that carnival for you. On May 1st, we're taking over Durham Central Park from noon to about 3 p.m. That's where they have the farmer's market. But on this day, there's not going to be a farmer's market. There's going to be 10 jiu-jitsu super fights. There's going to be two free seminars, both of which would be well sought after, I think, in any other circumstance. One of which, a women's self-defense seminar taught by Hoist Gracie Black Belt Seth Champ, by Abu Dhabi qualifier and jiu-jitsu world champion Kim Rice, and by uh, PAN's double gold medalist Shayla Tu. It is going to be terrific for self-defense folks. That's going to be something that um, no matter what level you're at, even if you're a purely introductory martial artist, you'll get some benefit out of that, and it's absolutely free. Daniel Frank from Revolution BJJ has also graciously uh, agreed to teach a seminar in what's called the Worm Guard, which is an innovative sport jiu-jitsu technique. So those of you that like to compete, come learn some Worm Guard stuff from Daniel Frank. There'll be two food trucks. Bryce Mahoney from Triangle Beans and Bowls will be there serving acai bowls and cold-pressed coffee. And there'll even be carnival games like Ring Toss. So even if you just want to come out and enjoy May 1st, a wonderful day in the sun, uh, come out, support local martial arts. We're asking a $10 donation to support... Triangle Jiu-Jitsu and Cageside uh, Fight Company moving into a new location. Uh, Cageside does a ton of stuff to support the local martial arts scene, and so it would be awesome if you showed up to help support local Jiu-Jitsu athletes and support Cageside Fight Company as well. So we'll get into both of those things in just a moment. But first, uh, we're going to talk about the news. Uh, and thankfully, Roy is going to join me to talk about the news. As we summarize this martial arts news from the weekend, if we missed anything, let us know. We're on Twitter and Instagram at CagesideWHUP. You can also shout us out using that, ca that hashtag, CagesideWhoop. You can get at us via email, CagesideWhoop at gmail.com, and talk to us on Facebook at CagesideRadio. All of this information is at our show page at whoopfm.org. If you miss us, you can always catch the replay at whoopfm.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher, and if you like us, leave a review. So, Roy, uh, next weekend, U.S. Grappling returns to Greensboro. This is always a very popular tournament, and pre-registration, I know, is going on right now. Mm -hmm. uh, do, you have, uh, do you have students competing? Actually, I have quite a few this time uh, competing. Uh, you know, we haven't... Uh, uh, gotten a lot of people on the same page in a while but um getting back into it we got so, so i've had some people that are competing for the very first time so i've been fielding a lot of those questions what i do what am i going to expect and you know we've been trying to get them prepared for it then i have some people that have competed you know quite a few times uh so uh, we're really looking forward to it 
Yeah, Greensboro is always a pretty big tournament because it's right centrally located for a lot of the local jiu-jitsu schools, and U.S. Grappling runs a terrific event. So if you're out there and you want to compete, or if you're a coach and you want your students to compete, there's a terrific opportunity next weekend, April 23rd, U.S. Grappling Greensboro. And it's gi and no gi, correct? It, it is both gi and no gi, foreshadowing to one of the reader question, the listener questions that we have for Roy later. So whether you're a submission grappler no gi, or whether you like to roll in the Japanese pajamas, as, as we all know I do, come out and train uh, U.S. Grappling Greensboro. The weekend after that, and I believe your student, Isaiah Monroe, is going to go to this, um, the, the IBJJF is hosting an Atlanta BJJ Pro mm -hmm. April 30th. Uh, I know that Alex Cummings, my roommate, who is a blue belt at Triangle Jiu-Jitsu, is going to go compete at that. Uh, John Bagels-Telford, brown belt from Forged Fitness, is going to compete at that. I think Isaiah is going to compete as well. Um, a lot of local folks are, are, uh, are, are going to go out. Mm -hmm. And so the IBJJF is a much bigger tournament, although not necessarily a better run tournament <laughs> than U.S. Grappling, but I, I know that's big. So, uh, so I just want to uh, flag that for folks, because the next day is, of course, the Concussion Cast Carnival, May first. I do want to, uh, uh, you know, so so before we get into fight results from last night, uh, I want to mention one thing that Mary Holmes asked me to mention, which is Caitlin Huggins, who, uh, as most people know, is in one of the co-main events at the Concussion Cast Carnival. Black belt Caitlin Huggins from Divine Jiu Jitsu in Charleston, South Carolina. She's going to be competing against Samantha Fallhaber from Gracie Humaicha in one of the uh, in one of the uh, the the main events of the super fights which is a matchup me and Roy will break down uh, Caitlin will actually be teaching class at Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu on May 2nd oh, wow. nice. and, and so whether you're a man or a woman uh, you can learn a lot from Caitlin but um, I believe that is a women's only class um, and so if you're a lady and like to train Jiu-Jitsu and you want to learn something from a really terrific Jiu-Jitsu practitioner turn out to Chapel Hill on May 2nd so finally before we get into our main segment where, where uh, one of our main segments where me and Roy talk about um, where, where we ask Roy listener questions and then we break down the concussion cast uh, carnival fights. I want to mention that um, there's a reason Trevor's not here today, and that reason is Trevor is, we're pre-recording the show Saturday night, and Trevor is out cornering fighters in Greensboro. And two local fighters, uh, Cornelius Newell from Forged Fitness and Kevin Schroeder, uh, who's a friend to a lot of us and a training partner to a lot of us out here, uh, both competed on that card. And we've just gotten word. We were hoping to have Trevor call in. But uh, we've just gotten word that uh, Kevin apparently was able to get off uh, his striking uh, during during most of the fight. Eventually, hurt the guy in round three. Was able to take his back and win by rear naked choke. Is that is that correct? Is that that's, that's what I believe. Yeah, that's what uh, Trevor I think said. Yeah. So congratulations to Kevin. Uh, Kevin trains really hard. Has a super positive attitude. Is it's really good to to see him have success. Unfortunately, uh, Cornelius um, uh, was uh, Cornelius apparently got taken down and controlled for a bunch of the fight. Apparently not a lot of damage done to Cornelius, but he did lose in a unanimous decision. So that's unfortunate, because I know he put a lot of effort into cutting weight for this fight. Cornelius is a real specimen, and uh, somehow got down to 135 for this fight, which, I mean, I don't even know how that happened, but that's got to be frustrating to, to put in that kind of work and, and lose a decision. Yeah, there, there's there's almost always one of those kind of fights uh, in every, uh, every show, I think, where you have a guy just get controlled the entire time. Not a lot of damage done. It's kind of boring for the fans, but... Um, I find those interesting because, I mean, you know, it's just interesting to see if a person can break that whole day. That actually happened to Dewan, I think, one of his last fights, right? In fact, I was going to mention this. Like, the Dewan, like one of the earliest, Dewan Owens, uh, terrific top-level fighter, friend of the show. Um, one of the fights he had in Atlanta early in his career was against George Hickman, a very good college wrestler. And Dewan would, would tag him in the striking and then got taken down and, and controlled, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, but, you know, it was a lesson for, for, for a young fighter. And Dewan, I think, took that as motivation to improve, to learn to get up off his back. I know something that you preach a lot is being right. able to, to push the head, stand up, get, get, get out of there. And uh, and so so hopefully Cornelius takes the same lesson that that Dewan took from it. Yeah, without haven't seen the fight, we don't know. But of course, you, you're right. I think a lot of fighters, and I know I don't think Cornelius trains this way, but a lot of fighters train with the idea that uh, if I kind of just limit the damage, the ref will stand me up sometimes, and then you're kind of relying on the ref to see kind of what happens. You know, whether whether you get back up or not. And uh, you know, I train, I teach my guys. You know, don't rely on a ref ever to help you out. Yeah, indeed, indeed, and you know, and, and that's that comes rooted from your self defense mindset, I think, which is something that that we'll, we'll get into in the main segment of the show. But yeah, folks. So 
Uh, you're listening to, I'm Jeff Shaw, and you're listening to me and Hoist Crazy Black Belt, Roy Marsh. We have just done the news segment, and we're going to get into a segment that uh, we hope to recur, particularly with Trevor. We do a segment occasionally called Ask Coach Trevor. With access with Roy, who's one of the most sought-after instructors in the area for seminars and private lessons, I thought it would be great to get a couple of questions from listeners. So I have two questions from listeners that we're going to get Roy's take on in just a second after I play this bumper. North Carolina. So we're back on the Cage Side Concussion Cast. I'm here with Hoist Gracie Black Belt Roy Marsh from Team Hoist Gracie Southern Pines. And we, uh, you know, we always encourage listeners, particularly folks that are new to the martial arts, to write in with their questions, and we'll ask some of our show guests some of those questions. So we have two for you today, Roy. And one of those questions, and it's something that I'd be very interested to, to hear your take on, is um, what should a new student look for in a martial arts gym? Like when you have someone that's trying to find a place that, you know, if, if this works out, is going to be they're home away from home for a long time. Like, what are some things that a new student should look for in terms of trying to find a place to train? And, you know, I guess the corollary would be, are the things that they should look for that they should be afraid of or turned off by? Yeah, um, so I think the, there's a certain responsibility on the student's part, which is unfortunate, uh, or the potential student's part, which is know what it is you want. A lot of people, you know, they go, they go, oh, I, my friend told me I should do jujitsu, so I'm gonna go find a jujitsu school. Well. Unfortunately, you know, you need to kind of know what it is you want to get out of jiu-jitsu. Um, do you want to learn self-defense? Do you just want to get in shape? Are you a person who wants to compete? Um, because there can be vastly different uh, schools for those purposes. If you really just want to, you know, I don't want to get jumped and beat up, and you end up in a school that's, you know, pure competition, that's not going to be a great match for you, um, and, of course, vice versa. So I, I think, you know, first actually figure out why you're doing it other than maybe somebody told you that it's a good thing to do. Um, or your friends do it, so you want to do it. Maybe you have a different goal than your friends. Um, so just from purely, you know, um, the, the same way that if you're going to, you know, you really want to go eat at a restaurant, you don't know what you want, you can't really complain too much about what you get. If you go, okay, I really want Italian, then you're going to go find an Italian restaurant. Um, sorry, we just had dinner. So, uh, <laughs> but I think once you get in there, um, you know, there's a lot to look for. Um I basically say that there are two kinds of uh, jiu-jitsu schools. There are schools that are uh, centered around the student, and there are schools that are centered around the instructor. And I really think you have to find a school that's centered around the students. Um, that means, you know, is the instructor really focused on providing the best instruction to the student? Um, meaning, you know, does he bring people in to uh, teach? Does he, uh, does he know everybody in the class? Does he focus on the brand new person as much as the guy who's bringing home all the medals. Um, not to sort of, you know, talk trash, but this kind of gives an example. I got in a debate with uh, somebody that I'm not going to name who's um, somewhat infamous in the jiu-jitsu community one time, and I remember him saying that, um, you know, he only worries about his three percenters, his A-grade guys that are going to be champions, and the women, and I said, what about the women that need self-defense or the guys or who are never going to win? He goes, basically, they just pay the bills for the fighters. And, you know, if you're one of the guys who isn't one of the medalist fighters, um, you're going to pick up on that. That's going to be real obvious to you that this guy is just looking at you as a way to, uh, you know, pay the bills and nothing more. Um, so the best way is go in, talk to the students, watch a class, uh, watch how people roll, watch how people interact. Um, there's in the, Don't be so quick to sign up just because... You know, you went in there and, man, somebody tapped you and, you you know, you realized how magical the art is. That's going to happen at any school, any decent school. If you go in, you don't know anything, a blue belt's going to tap you. So, you know, there's some schools where maybe the blue belt's going to then sit with you and work with you. There's some guys, schools that are going to be like, you know, they don't care about you. You know, you're just fresh blood. Um, does, does that make a little bit of sense? Perfect sense. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm – 
I really focus on bringing people in because I'm always trying to get the best instruction for my students. In fact, we just had Mary Holmes from what last week at, down at my school uh, to teach some stuff. Um, you know, I try really to make sure that every student there, and I'm not saying this is a promotional for me, but just I think any good instructor, they're going to make sure that the person who's never going to bring home medals or be world famous or anything gets as much attention um, as the person who is doing all that. And lastly, uh, the days of, and I don't think this day ever existed, of the grungy, dirty-ass, excuse me, gym being the top place is, is, is gone. It doesn't exist. There's no reason to put up with guys screaming at you and you know treating you like horribly and the place being dirty and grungy because you're going, well, this is the best it is. You know, Go to Art of Jiu-Jitsu. How does that look? How do the people treat you there? Fantastic. Arguably the best sports school in the world. So don't buy into that myth because it is a myth. This, that's a tremendous answer. And folks, like before we get into our, our second question with Roy, I have uh, I got a few things that I want to that I want to bring up. First of all, you can always send us questions for our guests. You know, it, when you have access to somebody like Roy, who, like I said, is a hoist crazy black belt, really well regarded instructor. Uh, you know, we want to get access to, to these folks to convey the information that you want to know. And so if you have questions for our guests, always feel free to email them to cagesidewhup at gmail.com. That's cagesidewhoop at gmail.com. We'll ask guests like Roy. We'll ask regular folks like Trevor, like regular show hosts like Trevor and myself. And so we like to, to answer, uh, you know, we want to make sure that you get the information from the show that you want. Second, um, you know, Roy mentions the Mary Holmes, who came out and, 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 and taught, and taught at his school. Um, but we're, I want to flag that Mary also has a match at the carnival which is going to be one of the most exciting matches that I think we'll get into in a second. And finally, before, uh, uh, before uh, I get into, uh, I have a couple of things that I promised that I would promote that I need to get into before we get into to Roy's second answer. The first is that David Porter, a former podcast guest and awesome guy, just really one of the best attitudes in jiu-jitsu, really fierce brown belt competitor under Team Pedro Sauer, and, uh, and a terrific interview. If you want, you can go back and listen to that interview in the archive. It's one of my favorite ones we've done and actually one of our most popular shows. So Dave Porter um, is teaching a Dars seminar at uh, Cody Malte's school, Elevate MMA, um, on April 30th, the day before the Concussion Cast Carnival, and uh, which is, and if you know anything about Dave Porter's Dars, you know that that's some stuff that you need to learn. We have a video of, of showing a lot of his setups and finishes on on our Facebook page that you can go and check out. A lot of really valuable instructional materials, and uh, I know that Dave actually. I just talked to him earlier today. Dave just took a private lesson with Jeff Glover, where he and Jeff Glover rolled and went after Darses on each other for minutes upon minutes. And so you know that this is something that's in the top of Dave Porter's mind. And so show up to that seminar uh, and, uh, and check that out. Um, so, so that's something that I wanted to promote. Um, finally, the, 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 the other thing before we get into, into the second answer with Roy. So we're broadcasting live on whoopfm.org on WHUP Hillsborough, North Carolina. This week, uh, April 15th to 21st. Um, is Whoop's first ever Begathon fundraiser. So I know that most of us that listen to public radio get tired of getting beaten over the head by public radio during their fund drives. And so this is our antidote. Yeah, our now Whoop is volunteer driven, and the folks that put this radio station together, including you know some friends of mine, uh, you know some folks that that I know are really passionate about bringing community radio to Hillsboro. Uh, these folks truly made Whoop a labor of love, and so we bet you never knew, you know, how many people in your community were down with the pantheon of Americana music, were wine experts like the Wine Fellers, um, you know, and they publish our humble little show about the fighting arts as well. And so this is a truly community-driven enterprise. And so uh, if if this week of if you are so moved to support community radio. Uh, you can make a contribution to the cause at whoopfm.org. There's a big contribute link uh, for our Begathon. The Begathon goes on April 15th to the 21st. We'll be posting some of that on our social media. So we really enjoy bringing you the show. Uh, we really l love being having a forum to do it. And without the good people at WHEP, we would not have said forum. So if you can, if you have the means and you are so inclined, please support them. Now, now that we've returned back from our commercial messages, we have another listener question from Roy. And for Roy, and again, you can email these questions to cagesidewhup at gmail.com, and we'll be sure to get them on the air. 
So we mentioned some of the matches at the carnival already. These are going to be super exciting matches, some of which are gi and some of which are no gi. And this, I think, gave rise to one of our listener questions. What are the reasons that people should train in the gi and should train no gi? What benefits do we get from each? And is one more important than the other? So, Roy, I know you have some thoughts on this, and I, for one, would like to hear them. Okay. Um, I actually want to back over just a sec, though, and mention, of course, the uh, interesting thing about the David Porter seminar at Cody Montezas is, of course, they're having a match the next day. And that's, I think, one of the greatest things about jiu-jitsu is, you know, Dave could say, well, I'm not going to teach this till maybe after our match. Or Cody could say, I'm not bringing this guy in. I'm, I've got a match with him. But, you know, obviously Cody is the kind of guy who wants good instruction for his students. And Dave's the kind of guy who wants to put his stuff out there and see if you can, you know, figure ways to to, you know, break it down or, you know, make it not work so he can tighten it up. And that's, that's the mark of a very good instructor, very good guy, um, is that lack of sort of, you know, hidden kung fu, right? They're going to put it all out there. Um, so, you know, big respect for both those guys. Yeah, I think that's a terrific point. And, like, both of those dudes have a very similar attitude that is just as you described, which is it's all about the student. It's about the student's journey, the student's growth. And, and you know, neither of the, and those guys had a really exciting match at Toro Cup in the Gi, and they're going to be competing no Gi on uh, May 1st. Right. And so as to the question, um, you know, I, it's interesting that there is this big Gi, no Gi debate in the jiu-jitsu community because, you know, I came up, you know, a fairly long time ago, and we trained with the gi a lot, but we also trained no gi a lot. And I think I'm always surprised when I hear about a school or a student who's never trained one or the other. Most often it's gi that hasn't done no gi, but occasionally you find the guys who are no gi purists and, and you know, because it's more realistic, um, which is kind of crazy because, you know, the, I don't see a lot of guys walking around in bad boy shorts and no shirt. Um, but I think, you know, both are extremely important. Um, I think in the beginning, gi, of course, it teaches you the fundamentals a little bit more. It's slow. It takes away a lot of the athletic attributes. So if you have a big, strong guy who can just get away because uh, things because he's sweaty, you can get a smaller person can just use the grips to hold them. Um, but after a while, I think uh, I've seen guys who are very gi oriented, and their top control actually kind of sucks uh, because they've over relied on the grips. And here's the thing: if um, I can only control you with my grips. It means my hands are not free to strike or submit you. And so you get guys who, they they're basically kind of put themselves in a dead end. They can hold you, but they don't know how to hold you with their hips. They don't know how to hold you with their elbows. And so they're not free to really attack. Um, so I think that's a very valuable lesson with Nogi. Um, beyond the speed and beyond the, you know, things like that is the ability to control with less. Um, it's why if you look at a lot of the old guys, um, even though they trained gi, it was very no gi style, as opposed to these days where, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the worm guard and things where there's a lot of, you know, what Jake Woodfield calls gi origami. And so you don't see, I mean, if you look at, you know, Hoist's fingers or Salo's fingers or any of the old guys, they don't have the Meow Brother fingers. Right? And those guys are, what, 23, 24, and their fingers look like 70-year-old judoka players. Uh, so I think that's because of an over-reliance on grips. Um, so I think that's one thing that Nogi does do well. Um, that said, of course, you know, the other point is, you know, a lot of guys just want to do Nogi because, you know, we had a, a kid who started training with me, really great kid, Jordan, and a very strong, very athletic guy. You know, we used to joke with him before he even bought his first gi. I said, you're going to put it on that first night. You're going to throw it off. You're going to be so mad. And he came to me and the coach, he's like, you're right, coach. I just, oh, I hate that thing. And now, you know, he trains in it. Um, and he's starting to understand the value of it, but you know, I'm sure he was expecting through sheer, his sheer physical attributes that he was just going to destroy everybody. And then we kind of put this, uh, you know, this this break on him, and he wasn't very happy about it. But I think he's really come to see the effect of it. Um, and, and this yeah. is this is why a guy, you know, and if you want to talk about old school versus new school, although these distinctions are somewhat artificial, I think right. like both Marilla Bustamante and Marcelo Garcia talk about. If you want to have the finest technique for nogi, you must train in the gi in order to give yourself knowledge of proper hip movement, knowledge of proper technique. Absolutely, and and in, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're just sweaty, you get away with a lot. Not only that, but I um, I think with um, um, nogi, you there's so many threats that you don't ever have to consider as as you would with a gi. Like even taking out just crazy attacks, you know, just simple collar chokes, you can kind of get away with just sort of tucking your chin nogi a lot of times. That's not going to be quite enough when you have bone arrow chokes and things like that. You've got attacks coming from all different angles. Um, 
And so I think it's really you know important, and again, from, even from a self-defense perspective, right? People are going to grab your clothing. Um, and if you don't know how to break a grip, it's the same as, you know, you know, we may mock, you know, the sport guys who, you know, couldn't get out of a standing headlock. Uh, I shouldn't say mock, but, yeah, I've seen sport guys can't get out of a standing headlock. But I've also seen no guys, nogi guys who couldn't break a simple collar grab because they've just never had to do it. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, well, that's not realistic. And that's absolutely realistic. Somebody's going to grab your, your clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like, uh, like I've had a very powerful nogi player come into, into, into the gym and roll with me. In the gi, and I, you, and it's possible to catch these people with day one collar chokes simply right. because they're not used to having that threat. And I think by you know, I mean, so a lot of what you say makes sense to me. I mean, all of what you say makes sense to me. But the, 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 just the concept of you have to be prepared for all situations, and you know, those guys are not always. You're not gonna. You're not gonna have to fight in conditions that are optimized only for you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, for instance, I you know you know I work out of the teach out of the 82nd on one night a week, and, uh, you know, those guys are in ACUs. I mean, that's, you, you think a gi is bad. Try getting choked with an ACU. Um, that, that thing will feel like a razor across your throat, but it's it's standard clothing, you know? So. Yeah, it's real. So thank you for ans- answering those questions, folks. And, like, if you have questions for Roy or if you have questions for Trevor, uh, who is who is a terrific kickboxing coach, I, uh, you know, Trevor Trevor often sort of plays the cartoonish dude on the, on the air. But, like, those of you that know uh, Trevor's martial arts skills know that Trevor is an outstanding instructor and coach. And, uh, he, and so if you guys have, have questions, uh, feel free to, in, to email them to uh, cagesidewhup at gmail.com. Not CompuServe? Not CompuServe, nor AOL. Although one of my friends actually has an AOL email address still. She got like the she she was one of the first AOL subscribers, and so her, 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 her and she has an unusual name, so it's her her email address is still AOL.com. I was like, everybody's gonna think you're like sixty years old. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. So now we get into the part of the show that I'm most excited about because you know the the carnival is kind of my baby, and I'm very excited about it. It's our first ever live event, and I couldn't possibly be more excited as a uh, somebody that is big into community events is big into both the martial arts community and the Durham, North Carolina community to bring a martial arts event to downtown Durham and to have jujitsu super fights in an MMA cage in an area where there's going to be a lot of foot traffic where people can put their skills on display for hopefully a very big audience. I'm really, I'm really pumped uh, to see how this event's going to go. I'm just going for the acai. <laughs> we all have a different reason, but the acai <laughs> is as good a reason as any. I'm sure Bryce Mahoney would agree. And uh, actually, D- I-, I just heard from, uh, like, I think DeAndre and his mom are coming by just for the acai. <laughs> so, uh, Smart family. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, may- and, and I wish I could say that I was going to have a, a surprise match with DeAndre, but, like, next time, next time, I would love to, I would love to roll with him. Um, but, uh, you know, I say that now, not having <laughs> rolled with him. Uh, but so... And, you know, another reason, and one of the cool things that, so for those of you that don't know, we also put on a series of events called Toro Cups that Toro BJJ sponsors, where um, these are submission grappling events, Brazilian jiu-jitsu events, mostly in the gi, because I find that, you know, super fights these days, for whatever reason, are are heavily weighted to no gi matches, and I really like watching gi jiu-jitsu. And so one of the cool things about being a matchmaker is basically you have the opportunity to say, man, I really want to see, I really respect this person's skills. Right. I wonder how they would do against this person that maybe right. they haven't had the chance to, to compete with. Right. And so, so that's kind of what I did is I found people that I just kind of wanted to watch and I pulled a lot of the other jujitsu nerds in the area and said, like, who do you think would be awesome on this card? And so let's just go top to bottom on some of these matchups and I'm gonna, we're going to go in the order of the matchups. So when you show up at the carnival, which hopefully you will, um, at noon, the matches will start. And then we'll go until three or, you know, we might spill over on time a little bit, uh, depending on how long the matches go. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll start at noon. And the first match on the card is one of the ones that I am actually most excited about, which is Mary Holmes from Chapel Hill Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, three-stripe purple belt, double gold medalist at the Pans, against Lori Porsche from Beta Academy in Washington, D.C. And uh, these two are both awesome technicians. And Lori actually just won gold, both gi and no gi, at the New York Open. Wow. So two very accomplished purple belts, uh, both of whom I think are, are really skilled. And this match will take place in the gi. So what, what do you think? Um, you know, I actually talked to Mary a little bit about this. And, um, you know, I haven't had the experience to watch Laura, but, you know, she comes from Beta Academy. So, you know, very accomplished. I, I know she's going to be well-rounded. Um, from what I understand, Laura has good footlocks, a mm-hmm. good footlock game. Um, I think a good takedown game is also what I've heard. Um so I, I think Mary's biggest worry is going to probably be that footlock game. Uh, I know Mary likes to play a little bit of open guard, 
uh, these days. That said, though, from what I understand, uh, at the PAM, she did a lot of uh, a lot of tight waist control. You know, so I think it, her goal is to try to get to the hips as quickly as possible, kill the hips. You know, as Mary does, and then you know just get to a dominant position. Once Mary gets on top, it's going to be really hard, especially if she can you know, not get elevated so that Laura can slide a knee through, start setting up a footlock game. Now it is, you said, gi, right? So we'll, we won't have to worry about the heel hooks. So that's going to take a lot of, I think, stress probably out of Mary's mind is defending heel hooks. Um, so it, I think it's going to be, you know, it's a cliche, but as with any fight, it's kind of who's the one that sets the arena for the fight. You know, I tell all my students all the time, you know, watch Marcelo Garcia, watch Hoffa Mendez. All their fights look the same because they're the ones who decide the way the fight gets filled gets fought um you know the other guy may come out and say i'm going to make this happen and next thing they know it they're in marcella's world or they're in hoffa's world so this will be a really good example i think if uh you know if laura can get the takedown and start you know getting keeping the feet off the hips you know she could give uh mary some trouble i know mary's taking her very seriously and that and that tells me something yeah, there's a lot of mutual respect here, having talked to both of these women. I would also point out that both of these women are former Concussion Cast guests. Mary, we had on last week. Right. Lori, we had on for one of our first shows when she was helping to organize Grapplethon DC. And so thank her for organizing that awesome charity event. And I know that I've, I'm talking to each of them individually. They both have a lot of respect for the other's skills. And for those of us that, are, you know, if you're a fan of jiu-jitsu, show up early and watch this match. The reason that I wanted to have this match first, honestly, like there, there were a couple of reasons. First of all, because Lori's coach, Nakapon, is going to be in one of the main events. And so right. I wanted Nakapon to be able to, to coach Lori. But also, both of these women move so well. And so I thought it would be a very exciting match, an exciting gi match to get the get the carnival kicked off yeah I, th I think if you are a student of the game you should go to this match with a notebook um you know in fact it was really funny uh, you know mary was down at my school and had her teach and rolled with a bunch of my students and i asked them all and they all said the same thing she's so technical and then Lori's the same way so this is going to be one of those matches where it's not going to be boring it's going to be exciting but it's not just going to be you know flop jitsu where they just jump around a lot there's going to be very smart decisions made so uh you know this is something that you should record or take notes about yeah you know and we've talked we've talked up mary a bunch you and i are both fans of her jiu-jitsu but like just to reiterate one thing that you said one thing i noticed rolling with mary is she may, i mean every every person makes mistakes mary makes so few mistakes yeah. and like in, in general and generally speaking that's those are some of the toughest folks to deal with, right? right. Because they're not going to beat themselves. You're going to have to actually go out and try to, as you said, impose your game, get to the spot that you're comfortable with. So I'm so that there's a reason that matches first. It's because right. I think it's going to be super exciting. So show up early and watch. Is that going to be right at like twelve fifteen or so? Twelve thirty? Yeah. yeah. Let's just say twelve. Right. Um, <laughs> so be there at 11. Right, right. It's it's a jiu-jitsu crowd, so you have to account for the jiu-jitsu crowd arriving late. So we're going to go with 12. Okay. Um, and actually, one of, one of Lori's teammates from Beta Academy, Andrew Card, is up next. Okay. And Andrew Card is in a nogi match going to take on Harold Hubbard, otherwise known as Crispy, otherwise known as the real Dragonfly Jones, otherwise known as various other sundry <laughs> nicknames, which Harold will tell you himself. And, and, and he we will. can't probably say on Probably not. Probably not or should not. And that will be a nogi match. Wow. Um, and Harold, like, you know, both of these guys I know really wanted these matches mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, not necessarily with each other, but both are very excited about competing. Like Harold specifically was like, I really want a nogi match. And I want a nogi match against a tough guy, right. and so this is the match that that we made. Now, knowing what what now, I've never rolled with with, with Andrew Card, right. but I've rolled with Harold a lot. You right. know, he used to train at Chapel or at uh, Triangle Jiu Jitsu before he went over to Chapel Hill, and you know he's he, you know he and I have trained together for years. And so one thing about Harold is Harold is very difficult to take down. Yes, and Harold has very dangerous footlocks, which is what he he sort of likes to go for. Right. Um, but uh, so that, that so that's my sort of scouting report on Harold. The the one thing before before I get your take on that I w I would like to point out too is that Harold is among the most unpredictable grapplers in the <laughs> yes. world. And if you've trained with him or if you just know him as a person, right. you you know that. And I would point out that Harold had a super fight at the Next Level Fight Club event in Raleigh, which he won by Go Go Plata. <laughs> and I'm not going to forgive him for this because I had a bunch of white belts that are watching the matches. A bunch of white belts that I'm like, don't learn the Goga Plata. It never happens. It doesn't gym, work. Right? Everybody's like, so the Goga Plata didn't work, Jeff. I'm like, Shut up. <laughs> that was a triangle. You just you just saw it wrong. <laughs> uh, so thanks, Harold, for that. I'm going to plot on a guy with really weak shoulders. Right. You know, exa exactly. But it looked like his shin was up, up, up. up. Nope. <laughs> so for those of you that don't that aren't jujitsu nerds, as if there are any that are listening, um, the go go plata is a very low percentage move where you it's a shin choke where you put your shin in front of the guy's throat. 
and choke him with that. It never happens, but Harold did it in his last super fight. So congratulations to Harold, and boy, am I mad at you. It's actually the only move I teach. Uh, right. Goga Plata's and wrist locks? Yes. So what, is, so, so what do you think? Have you, I know you've rolled with Harold a fair bit. Like, I've, Harold I've, and I actually rolled out to train with you one time. Yeah, um, it's exactly as you said. I think, I think this is going to be one of those, um, you know, again, you know, uh, I actually haven't trained with Andrew Card, but coming from the Beta Academy, um, I think it's going to be one of those where it's going to be, you know, a technical guy versus not that Harold isn't technical, he's technical, but just like you said, it's like trying to bunch a guy who does, you know, one, two, three versus a guy who just throws from weird angles, spinning back fists and everything. And you're just like, I, I don't even know where he's coming at me from. Um, I also know Harold's very physical guy um so that's gonna probably take into account now that whether that means he gasses out after a while uh, how long are the matches uh 10 minute submit that's a great question which i should have said before we started breaking this down it's a 10 minute submission only round the toro rules the toro cup rules okay. so so this so all the nogi matches are going to be under u.s grappling advanced nogi rules so heel hooks are allowed all, all right. that sort of thing um so 10 minutes submission only if no, if there's no submission in 10 minutes then we go to a five minute points round and then if there's nothing there, do you do the, the uh, first points? First friends. points, yeah. yeah. And that's you know if you get past, um, yeah, that's that kind of rule set. Barring the first round is always going to favor the guy with great takedowns or great takedown defense. Um, we saw that with the uh, match with I think was it Brian Miller and Brian uh, Miller and Daniel Frank. Yeah, right. Very close, uh, tough match that was right. ultimately decided by a takedown in the right. And so I think you know uh, again I, you know Harold's like you said hard to catch, um, but. You know, we will see. I think it's going to be really fun to watch because Harold also, he's not there to be like, I won this thing. He's there to put on a show and be someone you'll remember. Harold is a styler and a profiler, <laughs> yes. and he wants to be he wants to be memorable. Also, I have to throw a shout out too that like I know that Daniel Frank is frantically composing an angry email to me right now about David Hall's choice to award points during that match. Right. <laughs> so sorry about that, Dan. <laughs> um, but so so that'll be a, that'll be a cool match. The two two of the three Beta Academy competitors uh, mm-hmm. getting getting uh, getting to go in the first two matches. The third match is a match I actually almost put first because I think it's going to be so exciting, and I'm really excited to see how it's going to go. Brad Acosta, your friend and mine, very mm-hmm. good brown belt from TFTC Academy, uh, is going to go up against John Shell, one of the region's most right. prolific competitors. And John is and, and like so I'm I, I don't believe like at least when, when I made this match, these guys had not competed against each other before, yeah. and so I'm very excited to see how this match goes. I think this is going to be probably the tightest match of, of them all. Um, I think I think a year ago this would be a much bigger split match. But I think uh, I think John Shell, he's always getting good. He's always working out, uh, getting better. And I think he's gotten a lot better um, in the past, like, two years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's just having, a you know, more consistent training or what. Uh, Brad Acosta is not weak anywhere. Like he's he's got a great passing game. He's got a you know very good guard. Um, you know he trains with the guys over at TFTC. So uh, you know he's got very good fundamentals. Um, I you know I, I like Brad a lot. So um, you know this is and I, I like Shell a lot. So this is one of those I'm not trying to pick sides or anything. But I think this is going to be if there is a match that's going to be very close and very. Uh, one by small increments and small movements and subtle things, I think it's probably going to be this one. I'm not saying they won't move, but it's going to be one of those if you blink and miss, you're going to miss what maybe happened that changed the tide versus big explosive, you know, like I think in Harold's match, there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of kind of craziness. I think this will be kind of the opposite. Um, I, I couldn't really call this one. I, 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 you know, I would say Acosta two out of three, but... Um, you know, Shell don't come, don't call me up and get mad at me. Um, because you know, I just, um, that's that's a tough one. It is a tough one, and, and see, this is why I was so excited to make this match, especially because it hadn't happened before. John is a relatively recent brown belt, but one who has competed a bunch since he's gotten his. I mean, you know, he's always competing. And so, two things about this match. First of all, these are two of my favorite guys in the local jujitsu scene, both in terms of attitude, because they're both guys that oh, yeah. they just want to train. They 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 want to train hard, be respectful, show up and compete all the time. They're always in the gym, always working out, and both of these guys just really love jujitsu, yeah. and so. And I legitimately have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I will say, I mean, like, I, I, you know, I think Acosta is like the nicest guy in the world. Shell is just fantastic. I, I will say, um, I know Shell's been working a lot of leg attacks lately. Mm-hmm. And that could be one of those things that I think, uh, 
I think Acosta's a very powerful passer, but you know, I think Shell has been setting up a lot of leg attacks from on bottom, so that could be the deciding factor in this one. You yeah, know, John getting has, a knee bar from underneath. Yeah, John has really good leg attacks. You know, I, I mean, I've had a bunch of matches with John where he has <laughs> attacked my legs, uh, and so so I know he has really good leg attacks. And interestingly, that you'd bring that up, like this is not a nogi match, but Brad had a terrific nogi match. Brad Acosta had a terrific nogi match with Boomer James right. Booger, Ho- Boomer Hogaboom, where they both went after each other's feet. Right and uh, un- and uh, Brad was quicker on the toehold and uh, <laughs> and uh, sorry Boomer, <laughs> but but yeah, two of the nicest guys in jujitsu. It'll be it'll be a terrific uh, a terrific match. Both of these guys are training and competing all the time, so I'm excited to see them train and compete with each other. So the next match I think is going to be one of your favorites. Actually, I know that one of your favorite guys is competing and Sean McChesney. Uh, <laughs> so sorry, Sean, but uh, but. Uh, so Sean McChesney from Revolution BJJ, really good purple belt, is going to compete against somebody that I know you've trained a lot with and someone that I've trained with, but that maybe a lot of local sport jiu-jitsu folks don't know, don't know. as well as they should, which right. is Tom Colby. Right. Yeah, so Tom, Tom's one of the instructors out of the 82nd Combatants Room, uh, purple belt. And, um, you know, if you just met Tom, you would think, okay, this guy's a fairly physical-looking guy. He's just going to be just a meathead grappler and the guy you know he threw me off the first time i expected you know just gonna get slung around and he's super technical like he, he don't get me wrong he has the physical capabilities uh good all around you know he trains with the the you know team rock fable and he trains at the combatives room so he's got a very you know mma based uh, fight combative style but he's also done a ton of sport and so, you know, you might think, okay, he's just going to maul me. And the next thing you know, you're caught up in some crazy guard and, um, you know, elevated and Tomonagi swept and all kinds of stuff. Um, I, I, I'm really excited about this match. I do know that, um, you know, he has come out of knee surgery. So uh, a while back, that's not, you know, pre-excuse or anything. It's just a fact. So um, he says he's feeling good these days. But, you know, that can always be kind of in the back of your mind as far as how much you're willing to do. But uh, this is going to be a really exciting match. I think it is going to be a, um, both a technical and physical match. So um, you know, I haven't I haven't ever actually competed or, or rolled uh, not competed but rolled with Sean. But I know you've you've rolled with him, right? Yeah, me and Sean have rolled a bunch. And like you're so the one you've rolled with both of these guys. So. I have, I have, and so that's like like I I've rolled with both of these guys. And I think this is a really even matchup. Right. I think this match is going to be super interesting. And I think, like you said, I think I think if you don't know, I mean, if you've never rolled with or competed against Tom, I, I think you're you really should show up and watch him because he's got great jujitsu and he's got great sport jujitsu. Yep. Which a lot of times, you know, like you say, f- people people sort of assume they see the big physical guy and they think, oh, this dude's just going to throw me around. No, not at all. Right. He's and so so you know, I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to like. You know, get into scouting each uh, right. each guy or whatever, but like I think this is going to be a very interesting clash of styles, mm-hmm. and I think it really depends on who ends up on top. Right. Um, and, and so, because I know that Tom is very difficult to get off the top of you, he's yes. very, very, very difficult to sweep. On the other hand, McChesney has a, McChesney, and McChesney is also good everywhere. Right. Like he has a good top game. He's got a very good guard. He's got one of those tricky guards that just when you think you've got it passed, it's back in. It's back in, and he and he's attacking. He's got, and so, so this matches in the gi. Really excited to see it. Um, and uh, one, one other note, which is that the way we schedule the event is I had the, the, this matches early on so that Daniel Frank uh, from Revolution can coach Sean McChesney. And then as soon as he's done coaching Sean McChesney, he's going to start teaching a worm guard seminar oh, wow. over on the other mats that we're going to have. So, uh, you know, and so thanks again to Daniel for volunteering to do that. We really, really appreciate that. And, you know, Daniel Frank, if you haven't taken a class from him, like super technical guy, really, really good instructor. And so. So you're saying if Sean doesn't win by worm guard, then he actually doesn't win. Pretty much. That's okay. I, that, exactly. I was like, it doesn't even count. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be registered as a no contest if he doesn't if he doesn't put in the worm. I actually think that that's probably going to be a match not, uh, that's going to go into the second round. Mm. I, I actually think that's probably going to be a match that goes in the second round. Yeah, you know, now that you mentioned it, like, it, it, both of these guys are really tough guys to submit. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so I could see that. So uh, uh, the next match is, is a no-gi match. And, you know, and one of these guys, you're not going to be surprised that it's a no-gi match. And the other guy, you're going to be really surprised <laughs> that it's a no-gi match. And so Marcel Fucci from Killer Bee Training Center in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. North Carolina, terrific guy, like one, one of our favorite dudes. we got to get him on the show sometime when he's out, when he's out here. Um, and a big proponent of the 10th Planet style, loves mm-hmm. the electric chair, the leg locks, all that sort of thing. No-gi match, no surprise, but he's going to be competing against 
Tim McNamara, mm-hmm. who is sort of a mainstay of the competition grappling scene, both judo and jiu-jitsu, over the last few years, also has MMA fights. But Tim really hasn't been doing a lot of no-gi over the last several years. Mm-hmm. And I know like, I, I know he competed no-gi just in the last couple of tournaments to try to get ready for this. And Tim actually approached me about this match, or approached, approached my roommate Alex Cummings, and said he's really in, he was really interested in competing no-gi against Marcel. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm inter- uh, so so, and so I uh, I'm very interested to see how this match goes uh, because it is an absolute clash in styles. I've competed right. against you know I haven't competed against Marcel. I've rolled with him, competed against him, and and so uh, like so I, I'll be interested to see how Tim uh, deals with Marcel's leg attacks. Right. I think um, here's here's the thing like um, you know uh, there are very strong feelings about the Tenth Planet style. I have very strong opinions about it. Um, that I think I hope are thought well thought out, and I plan to actually write a pretty extensive blog about it uh, soon. But at the end of the day, if you're not familiar with something, it's it's going to be very dangerous. I, I remember talking to a guy who was one of Eddie's guys, Eddie Bravo's guys, and he said, "Look, man, I don't care who you are. The first time you roll with Eddie Bravo, he will catch you. He may not catch you after that, but he will catch you just because." It's a whole system that they're very very familiar with. It's the same as if you went with you know. Anybody from the Mendez Academy you didn't really ever deal with, daily heave or reverse daily heave, any of that stuff, barabolos, they're going to catch you with it. It's just, you know, familiarity versus unfamiliarity. And I don't think that Tim trains with enough. A lot of guys that do that style, and I know Marcel probably trains with a lot of guys who do the quote-unquote standard style. So I think in that way, it's probably going to favor Marcel a little bit, um, where, you know, unless you spent time in, like, a lot of time in lockdown trying to get out, just kind of faking your way out of it isn't really going to help you. Um, you know, I actually have a fair amount of people, not a fair amount, but I have a, a couple of people in my academy, four, five, six people that come through pretty regularly that do that style. And I can tell you, even knowing it, it can be kind of annoying sometimes to really figure your way out without digging yourself deeper into the hole. So I'm not saying that Tim has a disadvantage. Tim is actually very hard to finish. Um, he goes really hard all the time. He kind of reminds me of Leandro Lower. Like, Leandro looks like he's dying. And he's still like going as hard as he can. I'm just like, you're just gonna die on the mat. And I always think of that when I see Tim, right? He's just covered in sweat, you know, gasping, and he's still going 100 miles per hour. Uh, so this will well, be. There are real... worse places to die. There are yeah. far worse places yes. to die. So I think this will be really, like you said, interesting style. Um, the leg lock game. It'll be, you know, I'd be. It'll be interesting to see how Tim deals with the beginning of the fight. You know, because um, I know he'll want the takedown. Uh, will Marcel pull guard and then, you know, will yep. he try to stand in the guard and that's baiting a lot of leg attacks. So, yeah, Marcel's probably just going to straight up try to pull half guard. I mean, that would be right. my guess. Yep. But, um, but, yeah, so I'm interested in how, in how that match goes. And, and so we have a bunch of, I think, really awesome matches and we haven't even gotten to the top half of the card right. yet. Right. And so the next match is one of my favorite guys, one of the the, the amazing Murdoch brothers, Josh Murdoch, brown mm-hmm. belt, also one of the one of the great comeback stories of the year, coming back from back surgery, right. um, is going up against Wes Claytor from Gracie Raleigh, mm-hmm. who had a memorable Toro Cup match against Kyle Trujillo. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so Wes performed really, really well in that match. And Wes actually asked for this match. Like, respect, you know, and, and you know, I know there's a lot of mutual respect between those right. guys, but I think uh, Wes is anxious to test his skills against Josh Murdoch, who's been on a tear lately. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't know enough about Wes. Um, you know, I know Josh very well and, you know, extremely well-rounded, trains all the time. And, and here's the other thing that makes, uh, like somebody like Josh, uh, dangerous is, uh, no ego. People say that that's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Like if you're not worried about, it's why, it's why, for instance, competing against Bill Cooper so much, so tough, right? You may beat him on points, but he'll give you points just because he wants to finish the fight. You know, and I think uh, Josh is like that too. Right? He's he's gonna he's not uncomfortable, you know, losing. He's not uncomfortable giving up positions because he wants to play the game. He wants to engage. He wants to fight, just like his brother. Some guys, you know, they're so afraid to do anything that they they can become pretty predictable. You know, you can kind of almost lead them. You know, I roll with a lot of guys, and they're they're easy to kind of lead, right? Because they're afraid of options. And that makes a very dangerous guy when he's not afraid of options. Um, now, Wes is coming from a very strong place, training place. A lot of high-level guys. That's, that's probably the one thing that Josh doesn't have quite as much. Um, I mean, he's got his brother and some other guys. And, you know, I think he trains out of great grappling sometimes. But, uh, you know, the Gracie Raleigh crew is physical, technical. So you've got that on that side, too, for sure. 
I'm really looking forward to that match. And as you mentioned, his brother CJ is also on the card. Mm-hmm. CJ Murdoch going up against Nogi Dewan Owens. And mm-hmm. this is this is a match that I'm really interested to see. Two of my favorite guys, mm-hmm. uh, just two of the most wonderful guys in, in local martial arts, period. Also both guys with a strong MMA background. Right. Um, and CJ, of course, just off of, uh, just off of his trip to Brazil where he mm-hmm. learned a ton of stuff. Yeah, I think this is one of those where on paper, this is the one that doesn't make, to if you don't know them, doesn't make any sense because Dewan is still what a blue belt, mm-hmm. right? CJ's a black belt, but that doesn't even begin to tell the story, right? Um, Dewan uh, trains almost exclusively in the in the uh, nogi um, MMA fighter, and and they're both MMA fighters, but Dewan is a professional, serious MMA fighter. Um, has worked a lot on his wrestling. Is notoriously very difficult to finish, um, and you know. Very powerful guy and used to fighting into deep waters uh, as far as physical conditioning. Um, so I think it's going to be one of those. It's going to be extremely exciting. I'm actually really excited for that match. CJ, of course, is competes all the time at a very high level. Um, you know, has been training with Ted today in Brazil. And, and he's actually been training with a lot of MMA fighters down there as well. I think it's going to be one of those situations where you're going to see a lot of takedown game. I think you're going to see maybe the fight go to the ground and Dewan getting back up. Fight going to the ground, Dewan getting back up. And Dewan, like, when I say he's physical, that doesn't mean he's not technical. He's got a great guard, very good X guard, butterfly guard, uh, very good uh, neck attacks, very good Kimura, um, good strong passer. But again, like, he can disengage. Um, so if you think you're catching up, sometimes, you know, I, 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 this is one of those where I think, you know, whoever, this is going to be a fan favorite match, I think. I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted, the one thing I want to add to this is the story of how this match happened, which shows how much respect I have for both of these guys. So Dewan asked me for a match and mm-hmm. I said, well, who would you like to compete against? He said, I want a no-gi match and I would like a no-gi match against the black belt. Right. And you mentioned both these guys are fan favorites. And so I said to CJ, look. Fans love Dewan. Fans love you. I would love to make a match between two fan favorite guys, get you both on the card. And CJ legitimately said, I will compete against anyone you want me to, which right. is very much the CJ Murdoch. CJ, yep. You know, he will compete. And he's competing against some of the best in the world. He's competed against Sinistro, against Gary Tonin. Right. CJ has no fear and is just like a true martial artist in that sense. So I'm very excited for this match. Uh, two other, and, you know, and we already mentioned two other guys who have two of the best attitudes in jiu-jitsu, which is Dave Porter, Team Pedro Sauer, and Cody Malte, who just opened yeah. Elevate MMA, they did a gi match at Toro Cup, and they're going to do it up no gi this time. So what do, what do you think of this match? Yeah, this is what I've been thinking about the most. This is going to be interesting because they present each other variations of the same problem, and it's going to be interesting to see how they, they deal with it. So uh, not, to, not to break them down to simplistically, but uh, Cody has a very good guillotine. Dave has a very good Darce. They basically come off of the same reaction from your opponent, right? So if your opponent sits into you, maybe tries to get an underhook, the guillotine and the Darce are right there, which means it's very hard for you to bring your chest close to the other person, close to their chest, close to their hips, without putting your neck in danger. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with each other. If they can't close that gap, the person whose chest gets on top of the other person's back or neck is going to have a huge advantage, whether that's from the passing or from the bottom. So I think you're going to see a lot of battle for that position, getting on top of the other person's back from the front, um, whether, again, from the bottom or the top, which means if they don't engage that way, the next level of attack is going to be the legs, and that's what won it last time. So you're going to, this time, especially Nogi, you're going to have now the heel hooks involved. So I think you're going to see a lot of kind of switching from trying to attack a neck to trying to attack a leg to trying to attack a neck. Back and forth, and it's going to be really kind of interesting to see if some if one of them can get the better leg position, or again, get on top of the others the the others person's back from the front. Um, you're going to see probably the finish. Um, you know, as good as they are defending each other, you know the stuff. You know, you know Dave's got a tremendous uh, uh, darce, and you know I know last time uh, he got out of uh, Cody's guillotine, but that was gi. Mm-hmm. Right, Ch- things change drastically. With you know, I, I you know I'm, I have a very good guillotine as well, but you put a gi on, and there's a lot of fabric to get in the way, a lot of space to develop to to give you time to dig in there and unlatch the guillotine. Um, without it, it's a very quick finish. But of course, same with the dars. So this will be interesting to see. It's it's going to be a positional decision, not just um, 
not just one person really making a, a mistake, I think, so much as one person getting the position they need to be in, and then it's going to be over. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I concur. This is one of the matches that I'm most excited about because their gi match was so exciting. And then when you take away the fabric, now you have a lot more movement. You have a lot more. A lot, and both of these guys are so good in transition, at catching right. things in transition. So what you say about it, it switching back and forth from position to position makes a lot of sense to me as well. You're not going to see a lot of underhooks, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's hope, let, no, I, I imagine. From either side. I imagine not. So that leaves us with two matches. Um, and, like, once again, like one thing I want to emphasize before we break down the last two matches is we have 15 different schools represented on this card. Really wanted to get a diversity of talent. We have six black belts competing on this card. So really wanted high-level talent. I'm so excited for these matches. And these are the, these last two are the co-main event. And so I, I, I really think people are going to enjoy them. So Nakabong Pung Pong, mm-hmm. who is... A, one of the you know an elite level black belt right. competitor, yeah. just just outstanding. He's the head instructor at Beta Academy in DC. Very very strong academy. Very strong. Like they they just got third in team points at the New York Open Nogi, even though they only took like I think four or five folks, and right. uh, which tells you just top to bottom that they, they, you know they don't they, they produce such great grapplers against Neil Zumbro. Mm-hmm. Um, from uh, Nike Will Neal. A lot of you right. folks know him as from Evolution MMA, and that will be a no-gi match. Right. And uh, this is a match that, that uh, Jake Whitfield actually suggested for Toro Cup, and unfortunately one of the competitors got injured. I'm really grateful to both guys for, allow- for, for, for doing it this time. What, what do you think of this matchup? Um, you know, I mean, you... Wow. Uh, so Nakapon is... is you know, unfortunately, I've never been able to train with Nakapon, but I know a lot of people who have. I watch a lot of his matches, and of course we all know he's got... Very well-rounded game, but tremendous amount of pressure on top. Um, you know, if you can, you know, if he can lock down somebody like C.J. Murdoch, which he's done, uh, that should tell you something because C.J. is really hard to hold on to, or Cody, for instance. Um, that said, like, you know, I've also never trained with Neil, but from everything I've heard from people I respect tremendously, uh, everybody says, you know, no matter how th- how good you think he is, he's going to surprise you. Like, he is apparently just, you know, you. no matter what you think you have on him, he's, he's going to get out of it. He's going to be a threat. Um, so I, I think this is going to be, this is definitely going to be a black belt versus black belt match. Like, you know, no, ask, no quotation marks around black belt. This is going to be a high-level uh, competition. Very exciting. Um, very exciting if you are a fan of jiu-jitsu. If you're just a UFC bro, uh, this might not be that exciting. But if you're a fan of jiu-jitsu and you want to see some real technical, uh, you know, Joe Rogan telling you you don't know what you're looking at kind of jiu-jitsu, uh, this is the match for you. And Neil does a lot of really interesting stuff, too, with athletics and movement science. And so we're going to try to get him on the podcast in order to, uh, to, to while he's out here. So I agree. That's going to be an outstanding match. And finally, the main event, last match of the day. Uh, this is... A significant match, not only because it's going to be an awesome thing to watch, but it's the first ever black belt on the the first ever women's black belt match in the state of North Carolina. Right. So we're really proud and excited to put that on. Caitlin Huggins, Divine Jiu Jitsu, um, Charleston, South Carolina. Samantha Fallhaber, training out of Gracie Humaicha. Um, I've had the chance to train with both of these folks, and they're both outstanding technical grapplers. Sam taught me some st- stuff that's still in my A game to this day, and uh, Caitlin is a, a bit bigger than than Sam. I think one weight class up. But like they've agreed to meet at a catch weight, and I couldn't be more excited for it. Yeah, I think um, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, we've discussed the metamorphosis situation. Like it's ridiculous not to have women's matches because they are uh, on any given day they're going to be more technical than the men's matches. They just have to be, right? Um, there's no point when the woman's coming up training, uh, especially in a room of mostly men, where she goes, "Well, I could just beast my way out of this situation." So. If you ever get to train with, it's again, it's why I had Mary come to teach, right? If you ever get to train with a woman um, or, or somebody who came up as a kid training through jiu-jitsu, they're always going to be incredibly technical. Um, so, you know, I, I'm really excited to have this match as the headline match, um, <coughs> Halleck. And um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to learn from. Um, I, you know, just... It, this is going to be good jujitsu. Um, no matter what happens, it's going to be good jujitsu, and I think you'd be a fool to to ignore it because it's women. 
And I, I think it's going to be an outstanding match. And I think, I, you know, I, I have my own thoughts about how it's going to go, but I promise it won't be boring. And, I, right. I, and, and, you know, and I'm excited to, as you said, learn from these people, watching them compete. And, I, and you know, I want to thank everybody, all the volunteers that have helped uh, the carnival happen. And uh, we are really excited. So please come out, support these local athletes. May 1st, Durham Central Park. Noon to three, the Concussion Cast Carnival, ten dollars suggested donation. Come out, have a great day, watch some tremendous jujitsu. Uh, so, Roy, we have a little less than a minute left. Do you have any any final thoughts you want to leave folks with? Um, come out, eat some acai. Uh, last time I was here, I forgot to say thank you to a very important person in my jujitsu career. That was Jake Whitfield, done a ton for me, teaching me. Um, I wasn't going to mention this, but I am. Uh, going to be finishing up hopefully pretty soon a a guillotine dvd so uh hopefully you guys will check that out and we will promote that on our facebook page and our website my thanks to roy marsh hoist gracie black belt team hoist gracie southern pines one of my favorite instructors watch for his guillotine dvd roy thanks as always thanks to you all for listening and we're going to let tune and the real law play us out